welcome to the monthly Skill Bites show, where we share information that is geared to helping you succeed in your business. This is Judy Weintraub, CEO of Skill Bites and host of this show. If you want to position yourself as an expert, one of the best ways to do that is to become a published author. Skill Bites author platform provides the easiest way to get a book written and published. Today, I am delighted to have with us book promoter Denise Casino, who has launched more than 400 books to bestseller status on Amazon. And Denise offers a broad range of services for book promotions. She has developed a fail-safe system of achieving very high rankings that continue long after the launch date has passed, which, along with the social media aspect of her program, brings continued book sales. Welcome, Denise. So glad to have you on the show today. Thank you, Judy. I'm delighted to be here. Well, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved in book marketing? Well, I, in 2001, I took some online writing courses. I always wanted to write. I was an English major in college. And I met a few people, and we... We started a writing forum that evolved into an e-zine for writers. We added a little writing school to that platform. And we started meeting a lot of people. I had a partner, and I still work with her on a lot of things. But people started asking me, would you build my website? Would you help me promote my book? And finally, I was hired by someone who knew how to do book launches kind of the old-fashioned way with all the partners and bonuses. Mm-hmm. But she didn't have the skill set to do it herself. So she hired me to create the, the platform for the launch. And after that, people started coming forward and asking me to do their launch. But over time, I've made it a very proprietary system because the, the old-school way with all the partners was completely sales-driven. And if you didn't sell enough books, you didn't get a number one bestseller. With my system, book sales are part of it, but strategy and timing are also a big part of it. So I no longer need the assistance of other people to help me get to number one with an author. Mm -hmm. About how long have you been doing this, would you say? I did the first launch in February of 2009. Okay. And you've got over 400 books that you've gotten to bestseller. That's amazing. Yeah. it's. Uh, I would say only about maybe 10 or 15 only got to number two. All the others got to number one. That's number terrific. two is still a bestseller on Amazon, but most people want a number one bestseller because they want two things, credibility and self-esteem, self-confidence that goes mm-hmm. with, you know, the difference between walking into a corporate office to introduce yourself as a keynote speaker, I've got a book, or I have a number one bestseller a whole different feeling. Right. So it, it it's a career. It's a piece of growing 
their business. That's all it is. It doesn't sell a lot of books, but it gives you the Amazon seal of approval, number one bestseller, and that's what most people are looking for. Now, there are lots of different bestseller programs like New York Times and Wall Street Journal. Can you talk a little bit about the different programs and, um, and more specifically Amazon's bestseller program, how it differs from the others? And, and well, of course, Amazon is strictly digital, internet sales, right. digital sales. Uh, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, I know for a fact that the New York Times compiles sales information from bookstores nationwide, brick-and-mortar stores, actual physical books. In recent years, maybe three or four years ago, they started including Internet sales. So in le if you're an indie author, which many of the people I work with are independently published, as opposed to being published with a big New York, you know, publisher. They're not in bookstores. Chain mm -hmm. bookstores will not take independent books. However, if you have a local bookstore that you know um, that is not a chain, they will usually take your books. So it's very hard for an independently published author to get on the New York Times bestseller list unless some wild quirk of fate like Oprah happens to find the book and promote it. Unless something like that happens, you're unlikely to hit New York Times. Okay. Amazon takes both their, you know, their, they, you can get number one in paperback, you can get number one in Kindle. On Amazon, there are about 11 million unique paperback titles. There are about four and a half million Kindle titles. The Kindle categories are not always the same as the as the print categories, and Amazon's categories are actually different than the International Book Publishing Index, the BISAC index. When people upload their book through CreateSpace or Kindle, they're given a list to choose from. That's the publishing industry's categories. Mm -hmm. But Amazon, if you know how to get there, has their own set of categories, and they give you how many books are in those categories. So you can say, okay, I don't want to be in a category of 50,000 books. I want to be in a category of 300 books. That I can manage to outsell. I can outsell 300 books. But given all the other pieces we put in place for this campaign. But you're not going to outsell 50,000 books. And that's kind of where you get stuck if you don't know how to get your categories in place via Amazon. Okay. And how do you get your categories in place? Well, Amazon has, you know, their contact us which they hide. They, everyone hides their Contact Us buttons. But if you can get to a Contact Us button, you can usually reach Amazon and speak to them or send them an email. But on Amazon, you go to their search bar and you choose books in their drop-down menu. 
and hit search. On the left column, you're going to see all the categories with numbers next to them. If you click on those categories, you're going to see subcategories. And sometimes those have sub-subcategories. So it's a matter of perusing those categories and being creative sometimes. Uh, sometimes you're going to find a perfect category in an unlikely place. You know, you might find something under health, mind, and body that you never dreamed would be there. Grief and loss, for example. So it's a matter of in investigating, drilling down, finding what's out there, and and then going to Amazon and requesting that they change your categories to more specific ones. And the, Amazon's support is fabulous. You, you can speak to them. You can put in your phone number, and they will call you in 10 seconds. And they're great. Now, once in a while, your request does not go through for whatever reason. You have to request again. But I have never had a case where we never got there. My campaigns are for six days. So sometimes we're not in our category on day one. It just hasn't hit yet. But by day, day two or three, we're in categories, and all the book sales inure to our benefit, and we see a big bump in our ranking as soon as we get in the category. So what does bestseller on Amazon actually mean? How do you know what you're a bestseller? In the top 100 books in any category. You hit make number one hundred. You have a bestseller according to Amazon. That lots so of you don't need to be to the biggest the seller, one. just one of the top one hundred. Yep. And what time frame is that over? Well, people use it. There was a myth. There are a lot of myths about Amazon, and one of them was that everything had to happen on one day, or the ranking went away, and you had to start over. Well, that is not true. The ranking is an ongoing thing that ebbs and flows. It goes up, it goes down a little bit. You have to have a number one for at least, you know, they, they say they update every hour. So if you're in there for one hour at number one, you, are, you have a number one bestseller according to Amazon. Now, okay, Amazon so you only need to sell to the most. That. They have recently started putting up a little orange ribbon that says number one bestseller or number one new release. And that is the level of acknowledgement. The categories will show in the product details section of the Amazon page. They also appear at the bottom of your Kindle page but not at the bottom of the paperback page. So you'll see your Kindle books and your uh, print book categories at the bottom of the Kindle page. Okay. So if you sell more books in a given hour than any other books in the category you're in, that qualifies you as a number one bestseller. Yes, but it doesn't just have to be that one hour. In other words, if Amazon says that anything, any sales in the two-week period prior to any given date, so say you and I were going to launch your book today, right? and you happen to tell your friends and family two weeks ago 
that your book was available and they all bought it. That only helps your ranking. It doesn't hurt it. It doesn't get you highly ranked two weeks ago, but it's not going to help you now. It does help. So the two-week period prior to any day you're going to do your promotion or whatever, the sales are going to help. There's no need to panic. Oh, my gosh, I told everybody, and now my launch isn't for two weeks. There's no reason to panic. You're still going to get the benefit of all those sales. But it's a cumulative thing. So suppose you have five sales at 8 in the morning, and then you have, and you go to number three. And then you have five more at noon, and you go to number two. And then you have five more, and you go to number one. You might stay at number one for an hour. You might stay at number one for days. But once you get there, you tend, and, and with my program, I also do a whole social media aspect so that my authors have a platform, they have an audience, and they have material that we set up in an automated fashion. So they've got stuff going out about their book on a constant basis without overwhelming their audience. And their sales continue. Most of my author's ranking stays in the top 100 pretty much indefinitely. And roughly, I mean, is there a, a rule of thumb or an average number of sales that will elevate a book into that top 100 or even the, the, the number one? It's, it, it's surprisingly small to get there. Many people don't sell 30 books on these campaigns. But I will tell you that the most woo-woo books, the books that a lot of people don't even know what they're about, sell the best. For example, I had a book on Akashic Records. I didn't even know what Akashic Records were. And apparently it's um, uh, the ability to kind of look back into past lives and answer questions about your present day or even your past, your ancestors, whatever. And um, some people have honed this skill. I launched a book on, on the infinite wisdom of the Akashic Records, and she offered a bonus if people opted into her mailing list. She had 1,100 opt-ins. Now, that's almost unheard of. Hmm. Some people don't get a single opt-in if they give a bonus. So the more woo-woo the book, the better it's going to do. I had another one, Connecting with the Ascended Masters. Same deal. Off the charts, four, five, six hundred or more book sales, maybe a thousand. Novels are the hardest. Because novels have so many big categories, it's hard to drill down into a small enough one that you can feel confident you're going to get a number one. I've hit, of the books that didn't get number one, most of them were novels. They got to number two. We could just never push over that hump. Hmm. And there's okay. lots of sci-fi and fantasy novels nowadays. But one bit of advice for authors who are, you know, either writing their first book or thinking about writing their second book, 
Look at categories first. Find a nice small niche like Celtic literature or Celtic, um, I think Celtic comes up under religion and spirituality or something. And it's really little. So if you can work in a Celtic aspect to your book, you're probably going to get a number one bestseller. Or there's all faith, prayer, druids, goddesses. There's all kinds of little niche things that are really small. Teen books, young adults have a lot of small niche categories. You know, social issues, uh, bullying, things like that. So, you know, put a little angle in your book that allows you to get into one of these categories and you're going to do a lot better. And what happens is when you're highly ranked, you're findable. So I, one of my keywords might be, okay, just take me, book marketing. Maybe my title, you know, there's no category called book marketing. So when, if I use that keyword in my book description and in my keyword section when I upload the book, then someone puts in book marketing, my book will appear on the first or second page if I'm highly ranked. So being highly ranked increases sales. If you can keep your book highly ranked, you know, I've worked with a lot of authors and we've set up a big platform for them and got a program going of ongoing marketing, but, you know, they don't, a lot of them, before I found an automated system that was easy to use, would just get tired of it and stop doing it. Well, then their book sales go away. But the ones that keep it up, I see all the time um, tweets about them, by them, comments about their books on social media. I keep a stat counter. I see how many people click through. And they get hundreds of click-throughs from their social media campaigns. So you know they're selling books because they keep the program going. But a lot of authors don't like marketing. They don't want to do it. You know, there are people you can hire pretty nominally, 100 bucks a month, 200 bucks a month, and they'll do all your social media stuff, including growing your account. But um, authors want to write. Right. So are there certain things that authors should do besides perhaps looking at the categories first that you recommend that can help them when their book is finished that, I mean, they should do up front before they finish their book? Cover is one of the most important things. You know, there's people that on Fiverr, and for people who don't know what Fiverr is, F-I-V-E-R-R.com, there are people, freelancers, that will do things for you for ridiculously small amounts of money. It started out as five bucks, but they've allowed it to, I don't know what the highest number is that you can charge on Fiverr, but you can find cover designers that are fantastic. They do the entire cover, back and front, spine, and dimensioned, for, for printing for $45. And I've had 
several authors use these people with wonderful results. So having a great cover is key. A homemade cover looks homemade. People don't want to buy them. A cover that doesn't have any color or life or excitement about it. A dull cover does not sell. A cover that's all text, you know, a, a frame, it looks like a framed piece on your wall. Frame around it and then copy in the middle. They're tough. They're a tough sell. They look like a textbook. And a lot of people nowadays are putting their face on their cover. Well, that's great if you're well-known and if you're really beautiful. But, you know, that's not great for everybody. I don't really recommend that. You know, you really want your cover to convey a message. You want it to be appealing to look at. You want it to be clear what the book is about, not some obscure uh, double meaning that only you get. You know, you want this to be clear as can be what the book is about, what the benefits are, and a compelling visual to buy. I'd say those are the two most important things, knowing your audience and having a great cover. And editing is huge. You know, a perfectly good book is poorly edited, and all the reviews say is, would have been a good book without all the errors. Right. And that is a horror. You can't get past that. That lingers on your page forever. And the only way you can get past it is to get enough good reviews that it kind of, you know, um, overshadows the bad reviews. So getting it edited over and over and over, and even when you get the proof in your hand, you're going to find more errors. You know that. Mm-hmm. And those have got to be corrected. It's just distracting to read a book with mistakes. Yeah, it's and so unfortunate. Editing, you know, style editing. A lot of first-time authors are, use very obvious first-time author techniques. You know, a tag after every bit of dialogue. He, he retorted, she replied. He he yelled, she shrieked. You know, the dialogue should carry itself, and authors need to get a good editor to help them through those those sophomoric mistakes. Okay, so you want to make sure that you have a great cover, you know your audience, and you get your book edited so that you're not going to have bad reviews from people who couldn't get past the errors. Um, then what kinds of things do you recommend people do to get their book to bestseller? Well, the biggest thing is, you know, we have free marketing tools now. That's the reason our newspapers are so thin. We don't need classified ads anymore. We have the Internet. And taking advantage of the tools afforded us is huge. I have one author that in the last year has built her Twitter account 
I think it's now up to 30,000. And she's used a tool called Manage Flitter. And she's paid for their, their pro program, their premium program, where she can follow up to 1,000 people a day without getting smacked down by Twitter. Because if you go into Twitter and you follow 100 people, at a, you get a brand new account, you go in and follow 100 people, you're going to get suspended. They will reinstate it one time. But if you do it again, you're out. You've got to create a new account and start over. So my advice is start working on a social media platform. Younger people seem to be using a lot of Instagram and Snapchat. To me, those are not quite as good for marketing unless you happen to be a really creative individual because they are spontaneous photos. You're on the beach and you take a picture. You're at a party, you take a picture. You're out to eat, you take a picture. For book marketing, I did have one author do a very clever thing. She happened to be going to Mexico for a wedding. She brought her book. She asked people if she could take their picture holding her book or acting like they're reading her book on the beach. And then she started a summer beach read campaign using that hashtag and invited people to submit their photos of themselves reading her book. And she made it a contest. Now, that would be a way you could use Instagram or Snapchat. Mm -hmm. But... Twitter is a more reliable source, and Twitter wants us to use them for marketing. And the way we know that is they now offer Twitter analytics. And that tells you which tweets had the most activity, um, how, how much your – they can gives you a graph and a chart of your own activity. This many people retweeted you. This many people visited your profile page. This many people added you as a, a follower. So they're helping you. They're guiding you. They're say, and they also now allow images. Forever, Twitter was 140 characters. Well, when they went public, they needed to make more money. So they now include images, and they have a program that allows you to pay them to create images. But I create images using PowerPoint. PowerPoint is a fabulous tool. Super easy to use. They give you a lot of templates. And you can create your own images. Once you upload an image to Twitter, it gets assigned a link. And it goes in your photos file on Twitter. If you reuse that link in a series of tweets, every time those tweets go out, that picture is going to come up. So I help people create a campaign. We create a dozen different images featuring the book cover in 3D and a blurb about the book or from the book. And then we write a series of tweets. We combine them and we upload them to um, one of the many free systems out there that you can use for automating your tweets. Then that's an ongoing thing. All by itself, you never have to touch it again unless you want to add more tweets or take some out or change it up. But if, a, if an, and the other, that's the other thing. You're thinking about writing a book? Start your Twitter account today. Put up your picture. Put up a pretty header, a 
vacation photo will be fine for now. People don't follow others that don't have a profile picture or a header because those people are deemed to be fake followers. You can actually buy fake followers from places like Fiverr. I'll give you 10,000 new followers. Well, guess what? They're all fake. They're nobody. They have no picture. They have no profile. They have no bio. They've never tweeted one thing. They're never going to. But it makes your account look fat. You know, even some of the biggest names in the industry do this. You know, in the publishing and self-help and all those kind of people. People you would be shocked to know are doing it. And it's probably because they have someone handling their account for them. But the thing about Twitter, people say Twitter is all about relationships. What does that mean? How do I have a Twitter relationship? You have a Twitter relationship because you find people with big accounts. And the way you find them is using hashtags. Hashtags are simply a tracking device. You hear on TV, uh, send us your thoughts, use hashtag 9news. Well, that's because when they go to their Twitter account, they're going to search for hashtag 9news. That isolates all those tweets from everybody else, and you've got nothing but those tweets to look at. Now, suppose you are into spirituality. You use spirituality as your hashtag. You put it in the search engine. There's a little search box at the top of your Twitter page. And when you hit the button, your feed fills with everybody talking spirituality. If you just hold your mouse over any of their names, you see how big their account is. If you find a guy who has uh, 50,000 he's following, 70,000 are following him, this is a guy who's active on Twitter and really managing his own account. Otherwise, he would have 500 he's following and 5 million that are following him. You know, the big people, that happens too. I saw Lady Gaga on American Idol. I looked at her Twitter account. She had 5 million. When she came off American Idol, she had 7 million. That's organic growth. That is because you are somebody. But if you're an unknown, you got to work your account. you got to follow big people. They'll follow you back. When you see their tweets, you retweet them. This is just like Facebook. Instead of sharing, you're retweeting. Instead of liking, they a little like button, they've got a little heart. That creates a relationship. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I'll retweet you, you treat, retweet me. I only have 1,000 followers, say. But this guy's got 125,000. Guess what? I just tapped into the power of his Twitter account. He's putting my messages out to his 125,000. That's a Twitter relationship. That's the power of Twitter. I always tell people, having a big Twitter account, and I'm talking 5,000 or more, and people say, how, long, how big should I make it? Big as you can. It's like having a billboard on Broadway, but most people are pinning their flyer to their office bulletin board. 
that's the extent of their reach. Twitter gives you that power, that billboard on Broadway. Okay, so you set up your Twitter account with your profile picture, your header. You um, follow people who have big followings and retweet their tweets. What else do you need to do to get the word out about your book? How else do you use Twitter or other social media platforms? Well, if you've created the images for Twitter, those same images can be used on Facebook on Google+, and likely on any of your other form or platforms that you use. So it's a matter of having material. And people will say to me, well, I don't know what to tweet. Well, go to your introduction. I bet you got 100 tweets in your introduction. Because an introduction on a self-help book is a capsulization. It's a summary of what the book's about. So there are about there are almost every sentence is a tweet in the introduction. So make up a set of tweets, make up a set of pictures. Get a you know there's a really cool little tool. It's called Pablo.buffer.com. Pablo.buffer.com. Okay, what does that do? It provides you with a about 50,000 beautiful images, and you can choose from what they display, or you can search for specific kinds of images. It provide, And when you click on an image, it appears in the middle of the screen. And on the right side, they have quotes. So you can scroll through the quotes until you find a quote that you like. Yeah, click and add it to the image. You can modify the, the, the quote. You can change your font. You can do a few things like that. You can upload your own images. You have a ton of vacation photos? Upload them. You can use those. And then it has a button to share it. So you can put it on Facebook. You can put it on Twitter. Or you can download it. You know, if you feel you've got to have fresh content, you don't know how to create images on your own, they'll create them for you. You know, you can take your sentence from your introduction and put it on one of those images. You know, you won't have a book cover there. They do have a little logo thing you could add. You could add your book, but it's pretty small. But, um, you know, even using paint, which most people have, if you're on a PC, paint is a graphics program in your accessories folder. And you can just, Open the image you created on Buffer and paste your book onto it. Or you can do it in PowerPoint. And make your own images. There's lots of programs out there for making your own images. Okay. So That's a great idea. You can you know, upload an image. You can add a photo. You can add text. You know, add your book cover. Add text at your website, you've got an image. So none of it's rocket science and none of it is hard. You don't have to be a highly skilled individual. Now, there are authors that know nothing about their computer except their Word program. And I work with them, too. And they get it. They learn and they get it and they do it. 
And I, what we do is I work over Skype. So I'm sharing my screen, showing them how I'm doing things, showing them where you get your tweets, showing them how to format the tweets, showing them how to get the images off of, off of Twitter, you know, get the image link off of Twitter. So by the time I'm done with my program, we've created or enhanced their social media platform. We've pro created mate um, marketing materials to go out to all those programs. We've optimized Amazon. And Amazon, by the way, has a way that you can add up to 5,000 words about your book on your Amazon page. So, and you can bold and italicize and, you know, bullet points. You can really make stuff stand out on your Amazon page. Mm -hmm. And it makes the book look important. And then I do a landing page. Because authors almost all have a website, but they've also got a blog and they've got a resource page and they've got um, you know, all their social media buttons. And I don't want people getting lost or distracted. So I create a landing page. Sometimes it's branded to the author's website. Sometimes it's not. And it's a one-pager where there's nowhere to go but Amazon. You know, authors ask me, should I be on Barnes & Noble? Should I be on, you know, um, all these other little book marketing sites, Kobo, all those things? Mm -hmm. Most of my authors tell me they never sell a book but on Amazon. Yeah, I have and some of my authors on your ebook distributed elsewhere. You can be in Amazon's KDP Select program, which allows you to give your book away any five days of a 90 day period that you keep your ebook exclusive to Amazon. Now, why is that beneficial? If you're a novelist and no one's ever read your book, you might get a thousand people to download that book. And a portion of them are going to read it, and maybe they'll write reviews. You know, an ebook can be used as a marketing tool. Absolutely. In the back of any ebook, if you're a if you have a business around your book topic, you should have all about your business at the back of the book, with uh, email contact, website, and in an ebook, those links are live. So I read a self help book. I get to the end. And I go, oh, my gosh, she can help me. I need to contact her. Boom, there's her email. There's her website. I can click right off my Kindle page and land on her website and contact her. So you want to have all your marketing. If you do um, workshops, if you do one-on-one um, -on -one programs, whatever you do, lay it out in the back of your book so you've got a business brochure as well as an e-book. And even in your print book, you can have a lot of information in the back. But, um, you know. The, yeah, you just have to make sure you don't say, click here. <laughs> right. You have to book. just alter it a little bit so that it's clear that they're going to have to type it in rather than copy it. Right. But, um, so we do the landing page. And then for, for the promotion, my campaigns go six days. And I tweet. I have 15 Twitter accounts with 225,000 followers. Wow! And because of all my contacts, I often reach a million and a half people in a given week. 
So I tweet to every 15 minutes, 96 times a day, to 225,000 people. And authors say to me, isn't that killing them? Don't you lose followers? Well, think about it. You're only in Twitter for 15 minutes. I'm happy if you see one of my tweets. You know, if you go, if I load at um, 1 o'clock, and you go in at 1.05, you might see my 1.15 tweet. But that's only one tweet, really, in, you know, 29 minutes. So it isn't as much as it sounds, but it's highly effective. Mm -hmm. And then I post to Facebook a couple times a day. You can't really... Facebook has become all about money and not much about promotion. You know, I do post to Facebook. I encourage my authors to have an author page. And an author page on Facebook, you can also have a Buy My Book Here app that takes you to Amazon. You can bring your Twitter feed in, and you can follow from your Facebook page. They've got some kind of cool things, but most of it is promote your page, promote your website, promote, boost your post. And often, it, you, okay, you're going to boost your website. You're going to boost your page. You're going to promote your Facebook fan page. You're going to pay $5 a day. And you might get five followers that day, five friends. Now, to me, that is not a good ROI. That return on, on investment is awful. A dollar per person? But there is a way you can use Facebook that can be beneficial. And that is, you put something up and 500 people like it, you've just touched a cord. Now, that's probably not, that may be on your fan page. It may be on your personal page. But then you say, aha, people like that. Now I'm going to put it out on my fan page, and I'm going to boost it. I'm going to pay Facebook $20 a day for today, and I want to see what happens. Well, you might get 500 new followers that day, new friends, new fans, because you finally touched a nerve. So you can use it, but it's it's very, you know, it's hit and miss, and it's, there's nothing predictable about it. Where with Twitter, it's much more predictable. And there's a lot of authors that help other authors on Twitter. You know, I'll promote your book, you promote mine. Mm -hmm. And um, Pinterest, I use Pinterest. I post to Pinterest every two hours. Because people linger on Pinterest. Pinterest is eye candy. You can look at stuff on Pinterest for hours if you have time. And I want my books to be there when people are hanging around Pinterest. I do an email flyer as well. You know, I've got about 2,500 mailing lists. And I give it to the authors so they can share it with all of their, you know, friends and family and colleagues. But, you know, the, the big thing is people want this to leverage the, the best sell, number one bestseller. If you're a novelist, you want to have that badge. I put a badge on the cover. Amazon doesn't do it. I do it. Mm -hmm. And it says Amazon number one bestseller. That's going to help your future books, your future novels, or your rest of your series or whatever. You, Amazon won't allow you to publish a cover that's got their name on it. 
but they'll allow you to put it up on their site. So I put a badge on it on the book covers and upload them to Amazon. And that gives a novelist credibility for future sales. For people who want to grow their business, same thing. It gives them credibility. So if they want to do public speaking, workshops, corporate events, whatever, they have a number one bestseller. You know, in in the book industry, people kind of know that that doesn't mean you're a New York Times bestseller who sold a million books. But most people don't know that. And if you can say, I have a number, had a number one bestseller on Amazon, you're very likely going to stand out among the people that want that spot. So that's the main reason. It's a piece of the puzzle. It's not the answer. And you don't make a return on investment from my program or for, from publishing a book. You make a return on investment from ongoing promotion and ongoing sales. And that's what I try to leave the authors with. I also have a policy that I'm free forever after for consulting. Once you've done a program with me, you know, and you contact me three months later and say, Denise, I'm thinking about doing a workshop. How can I promote it? I'll help you. And I also keep you in my flock and send anything good I find, I share with all my authors, because there's always something new and cool coming up. In fact, let me tell you this one. You're going to like this, and you might be able to use it for some of your books, your mm-hmm. authors. Um, there's a new print-on-demand vending machine people can put in their stores, in their malls, in their airports, train stations, subway stations. And what you do is you go up like a jukebox, you look at the titles, you punch the button, you put in your credit card, it prints and assembles your book on the spot and spits it out a slot. Right. I did read about that. I don't remember the name of it, but I remember no, I saved, about it. I saved it on my computer. I, I, if you want me to, I'll send it to you. But you can also get an ebook. Then they'll just deliver the ebook to your device. So there's all sorts of ways to get the word out. But you got to make an effort. You got to study, and it's all changing all the time. There's always a new great program out there. Now I know Amazon has a lot of different programs. You mentioned the KDP Select program. What are some of the other ones, and which one well, should authors use? Well, a new use? thing where you can do a giveaway. And that seems to still be a bit glitchy. I have one author who, they say her book's not eligible, but it's a paperback like all the other ones that are eligible. So it's a little glitchy. Goodreads has a giveaway program. Mm -hmm. Goodreads is a little hard to navigate, but if you can work your way through it, you can offer paperback books or print books say, I'm going to give away three books in over, and you can enter the contest over a 90-day period, and then you get 90 days exposure in their giveaway program, and you might get eight, 900. I've had people get thousands of people who enter the contest to win the book, and I think that's how Amazon's giveaway is. You can, you can if you go to Kindle Store in the drop-down menu of the search bar, 
and you can look on the left side, and they have all kinds of little Kindle programs, like Kindle, Kindle Shorts, Kindle, um, there's another one that's short books. They have, um, you can put your blog, you can hook your blog up to Amazon, and have, people can subscribe to it via Amazon. So, you know, there's just a, and Amazon has a lot of information out there. They just aren't very good at directing authors to it. So, you know, if you do go on Amazon and say in your Kindle program in KDP, they'll give you some information of how to do things, where to find things, how to get to things. My opinion, Amazon ought to send you a, an email after you put your book up on their site. It's a booklet telling you how to best use Amazon, but they don't do it. Authors are in the dark, and that's why they hire people like you and me, because we know our way around. We can save hours, days of headbanging because we've been there. We've done it. We know who to call. We know how to reach people. We know where to go to make that request. We know how to correct things. We know how to correct things that traditional publishers don't know how to correct, you know, because they're uploading through other systems, Onyx or different ways that publishers, traditional publishers upload is very different than the way a indie author uploads. So they don't even know the tricks. And sometimes are resistant to people like me, you know, they they don't think what I do has much merit. But, you know, I, I feel like I deliver, you know, a comprehensive information and tend to even over deliver because I want authors to leave the program feeling like, all right, now I know what the heck I'm doing. Now, one of the other things that I coach my authors on is picking the right keywords because when people are doing searches on Amazon, it's those keywords are how they find your book. Can you talk a little bit about how you find the best keywords? Well, there are, there are things that can, um, there are internet sites, if you just search best keywords, they'll help you sort through keywords that are going to get you the most attention. That's kind of a general rule on the Internet. However, on Amazon, you can have keywords in your, your author bio. You can have keywords in your book description. And Amazon will pick those up when someone searches for that keyword, and your book will appear. It may appear way down the the list if you're not highly ranked, but you'll be in the mix. Mm -hmm. However, I recently discovered that when you're in uploading your book on KDP, they have you can put in seven keywords. If you right. have searched in advance for categories, on Kindle you might find five or seven pretty good categories. <clears throat> They're only going to allow you to put in two. But if you use the other categories as keywords, 
the exact keyword phrase or category phrase like grief and loss, grief ampersand loss, um, parenting and families, um, sci-fi and fantasy. If you use those exact categories, you will also appear in those categories. So you've done a double whammy. You've you've gotten into the mix when people search for those terms, and you've also enhanced your chance of getting highly ranked in more categories. That sounds like a great tip. Yeah, it is, and anyone can do it. That you know, publishers can do it, and indie authors can do it in KDP. I think you can achieve the same result by asking Author Central. Author Central is kind of the paperback end of Amazon. And they have a Contact Us button. And you can ask them to change your categories as well. You can only get two categories usually in, in print, and they only want you to have two in Kindle. But sometimes, you know, you can get more through the... the using the right keywords. And keywords Great. are important on blogs, too, because you might have no one subscribe to your blog, but if you use consistent keywords, if you're a grief counselor, I keep going back to this because I've got about five authors on this topic now, um, and you mention grief, death, um uh, Morning, whatever your keywords are, mention them in every blog post and link those words to your homepage. And you do that consistently. And if you really want to make it happen fast, do three or four a week. And in three to six months, you will be on page one for Google with those search terms. So a blog can be highly effective even if no one reads it. Because what happens is Google sends out, someone puts in grief, and Google sends out its search spiders and crawlers, and they look for every mention of grief. But, golly gee, Judy, every time grief is mentioned, or most of the time when grief is mentioned, it points to Judy's website. So Judy must be the go-to person for grief. We found 50 connections to Judy. We only found 20 to this person and 10 to that person. Judy's going into the number one spot on Google. It's simply associating your website with consistent keywords over and over and over and over. So you have flooded the search engine with that, that connection. And then Google starts, because they want to deliver good information. They want to make their searching customers happy. So Great. they want to give them the person that appears to be the expert in that area. That's how it's harder for a novelist. But for a self-help person, it's possible. Denise, we're almost out of time here. I wanted to give you the opportunity to mention an ebook that you have for our listeners. Do you want to share about that? Yeah. I have on my website 
which is bestseller services, a free book called Amazon's Top Secrets for Optimizing Your Book Page. And it covers a lot of the things that we talked about today, but I know it's hard when you're listening to, you know, get notes and remember everything. So that will be helpful to those of you that want to optimize your Amazon page a little bit better. Well, that's wonderful. So you just go to bestsellerservices.com and you'll find that ebook, Amazon's Top Secrets for Optimizing Your Book Page. Yep. And you can get that from Denise. And my contact information is on there too with phone number and email address. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And we learned a lot about what we need to do when we're coming out with a book before we've completed it and published it, as well as the things to do when you want to uh, pursue an Amazon bestseller. Well, thank you for having me, Judy. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again, Denise, and I um, look forward to reading your ebook. Great. Let me know if you have any questions. Will do. Take okay, care. Thank you.